Uh, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. Welcome to our podcast. I'm very excited to share the Word of God with you today, because according to Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I trust this message will increase your faith as you listen to what God has for you today. God bless and enjoy. All right, I'm going to get to my message this morning. I don't know where this is going. I'm going to do my very best to just share things with you this morning that God has laid on my heart. But my message is called according to His purpose because I believe in what Romans 8.28 says and we know that all things work together for those who are the called according to His purpose. The called are those who know Christ as their personal Savior. You are called according to His purpose. But not everyone is living according to the purpose that God has called them to. And I want every one of us to get in that purpose. Now some of you may be thinking, well, does that mean that I have to, to be a preacher or a teacher, evangelist, be one of the five-fold ministries? No, no. God has called many people into the marketplace. He's called many people into the family. You know, that's our number one ministry is our family. Do not neglect family. Ministry, you know, being the called means that you fulfill what the Lord has placed in your heart to do. And do it with all your might, all your soul, and all your strength. God has a purpose for each and every one of us. We're part of the body of Christ. We're to function in the body. We're to function outside of the body as kingdom representatives. But really, a lot of people don't know their purpose. However, sometimes it's because we neglect the things that we need to be doing in order to get close enough to God to know the purpose that He has for us. Let me ask you something. If, if your car would start once every three tries, would it be reliable? If the postman came just a couple times a, a week, would you think he was uh, reliable? If um, you didn't go to work two times a week or one time, what would your employee think about your reliability? He wouldn't be too happy with you, would he? What about if you're, let's just talk about something that we all deal with, our hot, hot water. How about if every third time you got in the shower you didn't have hot water? Would you do something about it? You certainly would. I know you would. You see, these things that I'm talking about are just normal everyday life that we take for granted that we know we have to be reliable. But let me ask you this. Are we really being reliable when it comes to pressing into God? Are we really taking the time to pray and seek His face? Are we really studying His Word? And I'm not standing up here trying to judge anybody. I'm just asking you. Search yourself. What would it be, you know, are you really being reliable to worship the Lord if you just show up for church once a month? 
You know, I know I'm really making it difficult for some. But we, we've got to get this thing in our mind and recognize that God is requiring His people to be faithful in all things. It requires you to be faithful in your finances. That means, yes, you give, but it also means that you handle your finances correctly. That you be a good steward of the things that He has given you. He's called you to be reliable in your family. Some of you have neglected your families. For whatever reason, make your family number one. Make your spouse, first of all, make your spouse the most important ministry that you have. If you will make your spouse the most important ministry that you have, your children will stand up and take notice. If you will make your children the second most important ministry you have, you will have children that will rise up and what the Bible says, they call their mother blessed, they'll call their father and their mother blessed. Now, I don't mean that they will when they're toddlers or even teenagers sometimes. But eventually, they'll come to the realization that they were blessed by living in that family. I can't tell you how blessed I am to have had godly parents who trained us up in the way we should go. I didn't realize it when I was a teenager. I didn't even realize it when I was a little kid. You know, my, par my mom and dad were always there. They always met my needs. They always took care of me. And then when I became a teenager, uh, what do those old people know? But my God, what an impact they had on my life, on my children's life as grandparents. What a what a blessing it's been to have good, godly parents. And I thank God for the families out here who recognize how important that is. God has called, God has equipped, and God has appointed us. And I want to talk to you this morning about, first of all, being called. Romans 8, I'm going to ask you to look in the Bible. We're going to be looking through the Bible a lot today. So if you have a Bible... Look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 27. If you do not have a Bible uh, or you, ha you don't have a device where you can look up a Bible, there's usually some Bibles in your seat. Romans 8. Now listen to me. I, I know that we sometimes get uh, dependent on media uh, and putting the scriptures up on the, the screen. Um, but it's important that we look at the Word of God, even if it's on a device. We need to look and see, um, and you need to check me. Am I telling you the right thing? Am I taking this word out of context? Or am I preaching the unadulterated Word of the living God? That's very important. Romans 8, verse 27 is where we're beginning. And we're going to read through 31 right now. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those 
who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose. This is very important for us to understand. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants to make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see, we don't always know the will of God. But the Spirit does. That's why I believe it's so important that we exercise that prayer language that we have because we're praying directly to God and the Spirit is praying directly to God. And He's, he's praying the will of God in our lives. Then we can know that all things work according to His will for our lives. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God has called his people. He's called us out of darkness into His glorious light. The Word of God tells us. We've been called for a purpose. We can expect to, to receive this calling and fulfill the calling that we have. But many people have been called into the kingdom and many times they've rejected that invitation. You see, in order to understand our calling, we have to accept the invitation that God has for us. As free moral agents, we can accept it or reject it. If we accept it, we are RSVPing back to God. We are accepting what He... Uh, we are responding back to His invitation to be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what the invitation is all about. We repent. Now, I've already covered all this and I've, I've talked to you about it, but I, I think I'll, I just want to share it briefly this morning. We repent of our sins when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. It's important that we repent of, the sin, of our sin. We have a sin nature and we need to repent and ask God to forgive us of our sins and receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior according to Romans 10.9. If you believe in your heart, Confess with your mouth, God, raise Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. Once you secured that reservation, you have a reservation with God, then He will begin to reveal His plan for your life. That's what He wants to do. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delights in His ways. What will this look like? It looks different for every person. Your steps being ordered are different than my steps. Now, corporately, as a church, we're walking in pretty much in step with one another, and uh, we're marching together because we're going in the same direction. But individual lives, the steps that you have are different than the steps that I have. God has called you fu to fulfill the plan that He has for you. And it's got to be... It's a, a specific plan for your life. In Matthew 19, 
17 through 23. I'm, I'm not going to read this story to you this morning, but it's the story of the rich man, young ruler who came to Jesus. And Jesus, he said, what must I do? Jesus, and Jesus said, keep the commandments. And he said, I've, I've kept the commandments for my whole life. I've done all the things the commandments said. What more can I do? He should have just left it alone, you know. But he didn't. What more can I do? Jesus said to him, now rem remember, this, this guy was wealthy. He was satisfied. He put a lot of emphasis on his wealth. And Jesus said to him, go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. He was given an invitation and he rejected that invitation. What a shame. His life could have been so glorious, so wonderful, so exciting if he had just done what Jesus told him to do. And I can tell you this, you may be fighting against the will of God in your life. I've done that many times myself. But I can tell you this, if you will surrender to the will of God and His plan for your life, it will be nothing like you have imagined in your mind. You think you're going to suffer. No, you're not. I don't care what it is that you think you're giving up. Your life is going to be much better because you surrendered to the will of God. He's touched you. If you accept that call, I want you to understand. Once you accept that call, throughout your life, there's going to be times of sacrifice. And you're going to have to surrender to God's plan. Over and over again. Because we have to prove one thing. This one thing we have to prove in ourselves. God knows our heart. We have to prove it to ourselves and to others. Deuteronomy 6.5 Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Jesus confirmed that in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He said the same thing. This is what we have to do. And if we love the Lord God this way, we will be willing to make any sacrifice that we feel is necessary to serve Him. Hallelujah. Second thing I want to share with you is that he's equipped. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. I'll give you a moment to get there. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Let's go back. Let's go clear up to uh, 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Glory, that, what a great scripture that is. He led captivity captive. Those who were held captive, he set us free. And he, not only did he set us free, but he gave gifts. To men, that's really important because we have to know that Jesus Christ gave us gifts. When you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, you receive gifts, spiritual gifts in your life. 
Now this he ascended. What does that mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. What we see here is just a... a a short explanation of some of the gifts that are imparted to the body of Christ. These are the five-fold ministering gifts that we know of in the body. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But that, those are not the only gifts that are given to people in the body of Christ. God has given incredible gifts to people. Music is a gift. Craftsmanship is a gift. You can find these gifts, and we'll talk just a little bit more about that as we go on. But he has equipped his people with these giftings so that we can be uh, uh, the, the kind of body that establishes his kingdom here in this earth. And it ministers to one another. Turn we, with me to Acts chapter 7. Verse 17 through 29. I told you I was going to look at a lot of Scripture this morning, and I'm going to. Acts chapter 7. Okay, beginning with verse 17. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with other people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. Well, that sounds familiar. At this time, Moses was born as well-pleasing to God and was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now when he was 40 years old, he came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was opposed and struck the Egyptian. And he opposed, supposed that this, his brethren would not understand would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but that he did not understand. And the next day appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren, why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong punished him, say, uh, pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this saying, Moses fled because a, a dweller in, and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. As we see here in the, in the New Testament reading of this story, we find out that Moses uh, believed that he was called of God early on in his life. I suspect that he probably had some interaction with his Hebrew family off and on from time to time. And it, both 
his Hebrew and his Egyptian family probably told him he was a very special child. He was rescued from the, the Nile. And he, he must have been special. And he evidently believed that, that he was called to deliver God's people. He thought because he was raised, he was very well educated, no doubt. He had the best education that Egypt had to offer. He was most likely trained in hand-to-hand combat because it appears that he easily overcame that Egyptian and killed him. He was, a, he was a strong, brave man. And he thought that he was ready to do God's will. And what he found out was that in and of himself, he didn't have the power to do what he wanted to accomplish. He thought he was ready. But Moses was not fully equipped. Do you realize it took 40 years for God to equip Moses to be ready to deliver the children of Israel. Forty years. The Apostle Paul, after he was saved, he had to go into Arabia for three years to be equipped to do the work that God had called him to. And he also, both of them were highly educated men. And yet, they needed more than just education in secular terms. They needed the Spirit of God to move and minister and to lead and direct Him. At times, that takes years. Many of us can't wait for 40 minutes, let alone 40 years, for God to train us and move on our lives. From the time that Tammy and I were converted we started serving God almost immediately, doing youth ministry and various things. But through those experiences, and I'm not telling you that God can't use you. He will use you immediately. He wants you to get involved. He wants you to get involved in ministry here. He wants you to get involved in people's lives out there. Touch people. Minister to people. Sometimes we think the only ministry we can do is some kind of organized ministry that the church has. No. Real ministry is meeting the needs of your neighbors. Look for opportunities. Don't use the church as an excuse. Well, the church isn't doing this. The church isn't doing that. Well, what are you doing? That's the question. You can do whatever God calls you to. You don't need the church. Not to do ministry. You do need the church. Let me reiterate. (laughs) Back up a little bit. (laughs) You do need the church. But you don't need the church to do ministry all the time. I thank God for all the ministries that we have around here. It's awesome. Praise God. If you want to get involved in feeding people, you can get involved in a food pantry or uh, our time ministry, you know, that's meeting people's needs. If you want to get involved in uh, helping minister to individuals, we have a group of men that are doing some uh, carpentry and and ministry work for people in the church and in our, our community. There's all kinds of opportunities. You want to teach, you can be a a teacher here at Sunday school. The opportunities are enormous here at Bethel. But the reality is, 
the most impactful ministry that takes place. It takes place when one individual meets the needs of another individual. Face to face. And loves those people unconditionally through the love of Jesus Christ. From the time that Tammy and I were converted, we, like I said, we did lots of things in the, for the kingdom. But it really took about 16 years for God to prepare us for pastoring. And now for the last 28 years, He's been equipping us for even more. It never ends, people. If you want to serve God, He's always going to keep training and teaching and expanding and touching your faith and helping you to become more in His kingdom. And listen, it's not to glorify you. It's to glorify Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. Nothing that has ever happened in my life, anything that's been good has been God. Anything that's been bad has been me. And I've had some bad. But God is always good. And His goodness is always poured out. Sometimes we just have to be patient and wait on our God. Many years ago, I, I read a book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. In his book, he told a story, a, a true story, about a man who bought what he thought was a gold mine. He'd done research and he bought this, this piece of property and he thought it was a gold mine. So he started digging. He was excited and he thought he was going to become rich and famous and he dug and he dug and he kept digging and finally, after years, nothing happened. He couldn't find any gold. So he got discouraged, got depressed, and he gave up. And he found some guy, somebody that he thought was a fool, and he sold it to this guy. Pennies on the dollar. That guy bought his, his, his uh, gold mine. And once he had purchased it, got all the details taken care of, the next morning he ate breakfast and he went out and he was excited. He thought he was going to become rich. And he started digging. But he, he decided, hey, I'm going to dig in a little different place. And he started digging, and he dug a few feet, and he hit one of the richest gold mines ever discovered. About 20 minutes into digging. The gentleman who sold it gave up too soon. Don't give up. I know it's been a tough battle. I know things have been really hard. I know the enemy has tried to beat you down. I know what he wants to do. We understand. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. But listen, I believe God has a gold mine for you. For each and every one of us. We've got to stand strong. It may not look the way we think it's going to look. But what a powerful God we have. Don't give up. God has equipped you. He's called you. And He has equipped you. And He's going to give you the gifts that you need. Ephesians 4.8 tells us 
Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. He gave, gifted us with everything that we need. There are two different words in the New Testament that are rendered gifts. The first one is pneumaticos, meaning spiritual things or things pertaining to the Spirit. We'll find that in Romans chapter 12. We're not going to read it. The second in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. It emphasizes the, the spiritual nature and origin of gifts. Uh, and let me tell you something. They're not natural talents. They're special gifts that God imparts on people. And they're things like I already mentioned. Music, craftsmanship, skills. They're skilled laborers in the kingdom of God. And each and every one of us receives gifts that are imparted to us when we receive Christ as our Savior. Romans 12, 4, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office or same gifting, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. We have been given these gifts so that we can function together and accomplish God's will. The other word is found in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Charisma. You may have heard of this word. There's a magazine, Charisma magazine. Charismatic gifts is what we are referred to many times. They're grace gifts. These are gifts that are imparted to believers. I believe they're the tools that are given to us you know, I've, I've got a background in, um, in construction. So I understand when I worked uh, in construction, I worked in, in a union. And there were skilled laborers who worked in uh, that union. There were carpenters. There were electricians. There were plumbers. All these guys had skills. And they had specific tools that they used. We are the skilled laborers in the body of Christ. But the tools that we have to fulfill and accomplish the ministry that God has given us are these charisma gifts. They're gifts, revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. They're power gifts, faith, healing, miracles. They're vocal gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecies. These gifts are given so that we can, as the body of Christ have supernatural power to walk and overcome the forces of hell. Listen, if we don't have the power to stand against the enemy, we are lost. Because I can tell you in and of yourself, you're not going to be able to withstand the devil. He's too strong for you. But you have the greater one living inside of you. And he has promised he's going to impart the gift that you need when you need it. You have been appointed. Back to Acts 7. Look, we'll look at verse 30 through 34. And when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. Then Moses saw it. He marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the Lord, the God of of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. 
Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people nor in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. God had an appointed time. Moses tried to make it happen in his time. But God had an appointed time for this to take place. And he had an encounter. Moses had an encounter with the living God. And God said, now I'm sending you. Go in my power. That's why it's so important that we wait on the Lord. We tarry. We hear from Him. We allow Him to move in, in us and, and through us. And we allow Him to show us His will. But when the time is right, He not only calls you and equips you, but He appoints you. Gave same, Jesus gave the same power to His people. He appointed His followers to go. He said in Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go there for and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go, He said. Jesus gave us authority. He gave us power. And He appointed us to do it. We can do it. I know we have to, I do believe that we have to pray. We have to press into God. But let me tell you something. We are the temple of God. Know this, that you are created in the image of God according to Genesis. And what does that mean? Well, we know that God is a triune being. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We, we are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. And because we're living in this body, we have tendencies that lead us in the wrong direction at times. But our God has imparted to us His Holy Spirit to lead, to guide, and direct us. And He'll set us straight. But it's important that we press into our God. It's important that we get serious about prayer. That we get serious about seeking His face. Let me tell you something. For, for those of you who doubt whether we are a triune body, body, soul, and spirit, let me give you the, um, the reality that God put in His Scripture. How many know anything at all about the tabernacle that was used in the wilderness? few of you. Okay. If you don't, let me educate you a little bit. That was the place where Moses met with God. And when Moses met with God, the glory of God was on his face. He sometimes didn't even know it. it, it, it just, but the people knew it. They saw the glory of God. But God established the tabernacle as his place to dwell and meet the needs of his people. He led them by a pillar of uh, fire at night and uh, cloud during the day. But God's people, they met God there. God lived there. Now let me tell you something about the tabernacle. The tabernacle and the temple as well, but particularly the tabernacle, the tabernacle had three areas. The outer court, the inner court and the most holy 
place. Three areas. Just like the human being. And God dwells in the most holy place in our spirit. Because that's what's born again. He's there. Now, let me talk a little bit about the temple. Because I've recently received some revelation about that. It also had those three areas. But there's something else about the temple that is really important. And that is that it had 90 rooms in it. I believe that that speaks something to us in regards. I haven't quite figured it all out, but it speaks to our soul realm and the enemy's attempt to enter in and take control. Addiction is one of those things. One of those rooms that he comes into. Hopefully, with God's help, I'll get full revelation and understand this so that There'll be many set free from the things that the enemy is try, trying his best to perpetrate on us. Prayer is so important. How many know who Dr. Youngie Cho? I believe he's passed away now. Was Kevin knows? Kevin, I, was he at your church in Colorado? Okay, he came there and spoke. Uh, he was the pastor of the largest church in the world in Korea. It is uh, approaching, according to church officials, it's approaching 800,000 people now. Now, they don't all go to that church or satellite churches, but Dr. Cho believed in prayer. He absolutely prayed. They have a mountain that they call Prayer Mountain, and you know people go there, and they, they meet God there. But he believed wholeheartedly in prayer. He built his church on prayer. And Kevin told me that uh, when Dr. Cho would come here and he would minister, he would often say that before he left, he would often just kind of shake his head and say, it's amazing what man can do without God. Because he looked at our churches, he, he looked at all the, the church growth programs and, and all the, the things that we do to draw people in, all the, the uh, excitement that we try to create rather than allow the Holy Spirit to create it. He saw all those things and he said, wow, man can do all kinds of things even if God's not in it. But I can tell you this, Dr. Cho built his church on prayer. He built his church not on modern church growth strategies, but on times on his face in the presence of Almighty God. I don't know what the church is like today. I haven't read a whole lot about it. But there's still a lot of people that go there. And there's a lot of people that claim that they meet God there. Every Sunday. There was a gentleman by the name of John Hyde who was a missionary to India. He said, God is preparing for us what He has prepared us for. That's exactly right for each and every one of us. I believe that. 
In Acts 3.2, it says this. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. Hallelujah. God, when we pray and seek the face of God, He will separate us to do a work for Him. No matter where it is or what it is. He'll speak to our heart. He'll speak to our heart about how we're supposed to minister to our family. How we're supposed to minister in the church. How we're supposed to minister to our neighbors. How we're, what we're supposed to do. But I can tell you this. It's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit in each and every life for this to happen. I'm encouraging you this morning. Study. Pray. Wait on God. Because you're called. You're being equipped. And you're being appointed. This gentleman by the name of John Hyde that I mentioned, it was in the late 1900s, he decided that he was going to be a missionary to India. He studied, he got a BA. He studied the language. He raised funds to go to India. He got on uh, board a ship. And he was on his way to India. He had done everything that he knew to do, to do. And he was on his way to India to minister to the people. A friend had given him a note. Just a little note. And John opened that note. And when he opened it, the note merely said, John Hyde, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? It made him mad. He crumbled it up and he put it in his pocket. And he went that night to his bedroom. He couldn't get it off his mind. He went to, tried to go to sleep and couldn't sleep. He tossed and turned all night long. He got up the next morning and he read the note again. John Hyde, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> he got mad again. He said, how dare him ask me, have the audacity to ask me such a thing? Have I been filled with the Holy Spirit. I have prepared myself. I've done everything I know to do. I'm going to go and preach the Word of God to these people in India. How dare him say such a thing? But it kept gnawing at him as he was on his way to India. And on his voyage to India, somewhere along the line, he began to realize that God was trying to speak to him through that simple little note. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And he got down on his knees. And let me read to you what, he, what happened. He got down on his knees. Uh, and he began to pray. He fell to his knees before the Father. And he said, Oh God. And he cried out with anguish and tears. The audacity of me thinking that I could pray or preach or witness or live or serve or do anything in my own strength and power. 
Fill me with your strength. Fill me with your power. God answered John Hyde's prayer. John Hyde became the missionary to India. John Hyde became known as Praying Hyde. Now I want to tell you something. He didn't immediately have success. He stayed in India for years and years and years. But he began to ask God for souls. He would go to a conference and he would announce. One year he went to the conference and he announced, I'm asking God to give me one soul in India every day this year. And he hadn't won anybody to the Lord yet. That year, over 400 people came to the Lord. The next year, he doubled it. He wanted to have, he said, if I can do 400, I can do 800 next year. He became known as, the, as praying hide, and he was in demand all over India because people realized that God was moving in him all because he humbled himself before the Lord and said, it's not me. It doesn't matter how educated I am. It doesn't matter how wealthy I might be or how well off I am or how many, much how many funds I've raised to do the work. What matters is the Spirit of God welling up inside of us. And I'm telling you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is essential these days for us to be able to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. Our God is alive and well. Because of the Spirit which enabled him to face the challenge of his life, through the power of God, he said this, we must exercise the greatest care to be utterly obedient to Christ who sees all the battlefield all the time. It is only He who can put each man in the place where his life can count the most. Hallelujah. That's what I believe the fullness of the Spirit does for us. Stand with me this morning. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church, Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.